Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. Amen. Well, good morning, Revision. If you're thinking, what's, where's the bald guy? Well, I'm Jody, and I have a lot more hair. Anyway, I, um, I've called Revision my church home for about four years now, so sometimes when Mike needs help, he lets me help him out. So that's what I'm here to do this morning, and I'm so excited because I love this sermon series about when prayer feels like all you're doing is just talking to the ceiling, because sometimes, let's be honest, prayer feels like that. So um, I'm gonna talk about the four Ps of prayer this morning. So I'm gonna talk about the proper perspective, being in his presence, receiving his power, and believing his promises for your life. So let's just kick it off right away with perspective. The definition is a particular attitude or way of regarding something, it's a point of view. So it's so important to have the right perspective, I mean, not only in our prayer life, but in life in general. Um, So I'm gonna show you guys a picture. This popped up on my Facebook. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is that, right? You're like, why why is the cub in the mom's mouth? Somebody save the cub, what's going on? What's going on, somebody save him. And then you click on it and it shows you this, right? It's the whole perspective, it's both sides. Because so quick, you know, we see that first picture and you make a snap judgment or you start to worry or you fear. It's the same as our lives, like because we only see so many times just what's right in front of us. But what God is telling us is that he sees the whole picture. And when he sees the whole picture, it makes our lives make sense. Because again, we so much, just it's just what right's in front of us. That's what we make our decisions and our prayers on. But God says, you can trust me, because guess what? I can see your life from both angles. So we must trust his narrative because it's, his promises, and you know what he promises us? He promises us more than we could ever think or imagine. So we must allow him to give us a heavenly perspective and rely on him and his timing to answer our prayers. And trust me, like that second picture, sometimes I feel like I'm getting my head bit off, trust me, or I feel like the world is clamping down on me. But what I've realized when I saw that picture and prayed through it, God does the same thing for me. He gently picks me up and moves me. Because what I realize is he has removed me from situations in my life that I didn't see coming, that were him and his protection. So having that healthy, godly perspective. And again, not just in our prayer life, but our lives in general. It helps us um, see more clearly, have compassion for others have empathy for others in their situation. And I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I I cut hair. And so I work at a facility in Norwalk where I work in memory care for four hours. And it has its own blessings and difficulties. And this was a morning just a couple weeks ago. Again, another hard morning. Um, The air conditioner had broke. It was 82 degrees in the room. I lost a hearing aid and I had some old ladies that were mad at me. So my day was not going as I had planned. And so as I left that that part of the facility and was walking through the atrium, I actually ran into... 
um, my old principal. And so I said his name and he turned around and the minute he saw me, he just started crying. And so I gave him a hug and I was like, what is going on? Well, he shared with me that he was actually um, moving his daughter in to the facility because she has onset early dementia. I went to high school with her, she's 53. And in that moment, I am so glad that I had that moment with him and God instantly changed my perspective. I was hot, I was angry, I was irritated, I lost a hearing aid, I had old ladies yell at me, big deal. Like when I saw him and I saw his tears, it changed my perspective because again, now a girl just a couple years older than me, I'm gonna have to take care of in memory care. But also I'm so thankful I'm there because I also get to be able to care for her. So we must seek God's perspective and not our own, which is hard because being fleshy is so easy. It's so easy. That's why I want to jump into prayer right away because prayer is mentioned 392 times in the Bible. So 231 times in the Old Testament, 161 in the New Testament. So obviously prayer is important, but prayer is also a spiritual discipline. And you guys, I wish that I could stand up here and give you this perfect formula that like two plus two equals four. Or like, if you just say this here, add it this, and then poof. Like I I wish, I wish I had the perfect formula. But what prayer is, is prayer is that constant conversation with you and your Lord. And again, it's going to look different for everybody, but it's your connection to our God. And of course, there's so many questions that surround prayer, like how often should I do it? Do I pray to God? Do I pray to Jesus? How do, how, what kind of return should I expect on my investment of prayer? Like how much am I gonna get back here? What am I gonna achieve? Again, it's that personal talk with him. And I get it because we wanna be self-sufficient because so many times I think that I know so much better, but guess what? I don't. We must seek his guidance. And again, have that on going conversation. Because guess what? He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your cries, your hopes, your dreams, your brokenness. Your... He wants to hear it all because he wants to be known by you and he wants to know you personally. And prayer isn't always easy because especially when we're in a hard time and we're praying for something big. But what it takes is that prayer because then we have to wait on him. We have to listen. We have to be patient we have to wait on his guidance, which those things are not easy. But what I am gonna tell you about the God that we serve, God is always standing at the door waiting because God, he's not pushy. Our God, he is a gentleman. I'm gonna use a scenario. So all you born in like the, the 80s, early 90s, remember dodgeball in the gym. Okay, so we had dodgeball like twice a week, right? So of course, the gym teacher called out two captains, you stood on sides, you know, and then what happened? everybody's name and what you're like, just don't be last, just don't be last, just don't be last, don't be picked, right? So if your name gets picked, you're like, oh yes, finally. And you like run to your team and you're like, okay, I got this, right? You guys, God is the same way he's waiting. He's like, call my name, call my, oh, is she gonna say it? Is she gonna say it? Is she gonna? All you have to do is call his name because he's on your team. We need his perspective because our perspective stems from a very selfish nature. And I get, we all have felt at times like our prayers have not gone on, that they've gone unanswered or fallen on deaf ears. Or maybe when we're not getting the result that we were hoping for, 
I don't know about you, but you know what I do? I take the prayer back. Because as humans, we try to manipulate God's intended plan for us by forging our own agenda. But guess what, you guys? God, he don't need our help. He's got it figured out. God is not a, a genie in a bottle, right? You just make a wish and poof, done. And oh, I need this, poof, done. It's not how it works. I mean, it would be great if it was, but that's not how prayer works. So when I was trying to pick a, a, a scripture reading for the day, because when Mike said prayer, I was like, oh, well, that's such a small topic. I was like, what am I gonna, Ooh. So anyway, so the Holy Spirit led me to, to Daniel 10 to talk about Daniel. So I'm gonna give you a little background on Daniel. So Daniel was trustworthy. He was humble. He was a diligent prayer warrior. So Daniel lived in a time of King Darius, okay? So King Darius kind of had his cronies and Daniel was kind of like kind of in, his, in, in the group there or whatever. So King Darius's cronies kind of told him, listen up, we need to make a decree that for 30 days that nobody can pray to any other human, any other God except you, except you, King Darius. And if they do and they get caught, we're gonna throw them in the lion's den. So of course, guess what? Even after the, the decree came out, Daniel, being a prayer warrior, what did he do? He goes home, he opens his windows to his apartment and gets down and prays to God, like he does three times a day. So of course, guess what? King Darius's cronies, they spot him. So they go tell on him. So King Darius has no other, no other um, choice but to throw him in the lion's den. But what I like is, before he throws him in the lion's den, you know what he says? Daniel, I hope the God that you continually pray to, that you continually pray to, saves you. So they close up the lion's den. King Darius, I, he, King Darius actually kind of liked Daniel. So he went home, he didn't sleep, he didn't eat that night. And at dawn, rushed to the den to see, opens it up and he says, Daniel, to the God you continually serve, did he save you? And Daniel's like, yep. And all of a sudden King Darius is like, what? He was so taken back. Daniel comes out, not a scratch on him. Because we all know that God shut the mouths of the lion and protected Daniel because Daniel was his prayer warrior. And so that day, King Darius made a decree that everybody had to serve Daniel's God. So I'm gonna go to uh, Daniel 10, verse 10. And oh. also four weeks ago when I preached, I read out of my Bible and didn't need glasses. This is what happens when all of a sudden you get old. Like overnight, all of a sudden it's like, I can't see. So anyway, that's fine. I got my glasses on. So we're gonna go to um, chapter 10 and we're gonna start in uh, verse 10. So... This is the thing about Daniel at this time. He was um, uh, seeing visions and he could interpret dreams. And so this is, at this point, he is actually um, seeing an angel at this point. And it says, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have been sent to you. And when he said this, I stood up trembling. He then continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come to respond to them. But the prince of Persia and the kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there from the king of Persia. But now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time that is yet to come. And I love here that the angel reminds Daniel that he is highly esteemed. And it says that the day that you set your mind to gain that understanding and humbled yourself, your words were heard. 
So he must do the same thing. And so there was a delay, a delay for Daniel. And it wasn't because he did something wrong or not because he wasn't good enough, because the angel reminded him he was highly esteemed in the eyes of God. But things were held up for Daniel because he was missing a level of understanding about the future, which is us too. So sometimes, so sometimes things are being delayed, but God's delaying them on your behalf. And so many times over the past five years of my life, I wish that I could have looked at unanswered prayer as a delay on my behalf, that it was a blessing. But with the right perspective, it is. Because God always makes a way. And prayer, and your prayer life equips you for that. So don't jump ahead of God. I, I do it all the time. Am I the only one? Yep. Okay, well, service is just for me. Anyway, because, because I feel like he's not working in my time or answering how I want or doing what I think I need. But God's perfect timing is what we need. It made me think about so many times in the Bible when Moses went to the Red Sea and then he stood there and looked at the water and here come all the Israelites. If they'd have just jumped in the water, they would have drowned. But he waited and then God parted the sea. And Daniel, he wasn't saved from the den. He was saved in the den. And Elijah had to go through a famine. He wasn't saved from the famine. He was provided for in the famine. Also Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I just like saying those names. Anyway, they were friends of Daniel's. They got thrown into the furnace. But there was a fourth person in the furnace, which was God protecting them. So again, they weren't saved from the fire. They were saved in it. And sometimes we think that standing still is stagnation, but standing still is a place of obedience. Because Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. There have been so many seasons that I've gone through where I didn't feel like my prayers were answered. And I'm sure you guys too. Like, why is he not answering that? That's a good prayer. I'm only wanting good things. And last week, Mike talked about, there's so many different kinds of prayer. And I liked when he said, even groans, because in Romans 8, 26, it says the holy groans, because there's sometimes you don't have words. Also, praise can be a way, I love, I'm a music person, I can't sing, but I'm front row, I'm dancing, I'm singing, I love praise music. So even last week when he talked about that music can connect you to the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna tell you two years ago when I was in the process of buying my new townhome, that day of packing my entire life and my home and my kids into one moving truck, uh, my loan officer called me and told me that for some unforeseen circumstances as my loan fell through. So all day long, I packed up my entire home that I had lived in with my children, throwing everything into a box truck, knowing I had no home to go to. And that night, I stayed at my parents' house with my two kids, literally homeless. And I tell you that night, I thought it was looking at a mountain that there was no way I could climb that because I had done everything. I had sent in all the money I had given. I had signed every paper. I had done physically everything in my human power to make it work and it didn't work. So that night I was depressed, depleted, defeated, and I didn't have words. So all I did was I turned on my praise and worship music and I listened to those songs until I fell asleep because I knew there was nothing else I could do. So a couple days later, between prayer and parents, 
my loan came through and I was able to have a home for my children. But what that moment taught me was what praise does. Praise is a weapon and praise actually produces resilience in your soul. So nothing will go to waste in the hands of a God whose signature move is to redeem and repurpose and create something beautiful, even if it's from an ash. So approach the, whole, the throne with a holy perspective and not a worldly perspective. And prayers don't go unanswered. Of course, they're just answered in his time and not our own. But also God's silence doesn't equal absence. Our job is to praise him in the in-between. And when we praise him in the in-between, that's where a godly perspective comes from. So the next thing I wanna get into is his presence. And the way we get into his presence is with humility. And a couple weeks ago, I preached on Mary and Martha and how Mary sat at the feet of Jesus with humility. She abided in him. And Daniel, in the reading, it said, you are humble. We need to be humble to approach in 1 Peter 5 and 6, uh, chapter 5, 6 and 7, it says, humble yourself then under God's mighty hand. And so he will lift you up in his own good time. Leave all your worries with him because he cares for you. I'm here to tell you, humility is not easy. And if any of y'all ever had to eat a piece of humble pie, it tastes like a gym sock. Humility is not easy because humility takes exercise and practice. It takes courage takes discipline and it takes faith. And I say exercise and practice because humility is a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Because humility, again, when you have to eat that pie sometimes, but when you continue to practice it, you're granted that humility. It means that we acknowledge that we are wholly dependent on God. And, who, and, and, and we wouldn't be who we were, who we were meant to be and be called if we didn't humble ourselves. Because again, he doesn't call the equip. He equips the call. So if he sends you, he equips you. We must exercise humility. And by doing that, it shows that we put ourselves in a position to point all glory and honor to God and not to ourselves. So again, humble yourself before the mighty throne. I have to say one of the things I love the most when I stand up here and preach is afterwards when people come up to me and say, oh, that, you know, something you said resonated with me or you did such a good job or, because in my humanness, I want to be like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I worked really hard, did my hair today. Thank you, this is so great. I wish I could take all the glory, you guys, but I'm going to tell you, without God, I am really not that cool. I am really not that good. I have to give him all the glory because he made me this way. He gave me the opportunity and then he wrote these words for me to share. So to him, I pray all the time that I hide behind the cross so deep that all they see is you and that by me standing up here, sharing these words, that you will literally experience God through me because that's what we're supposed to do. And humility is hard because we think we know better because I feel like I know a lot. So sometimes I do think I know better, but it is it's when we see our lives and only focus on what is just right in front of us. Because God knows this whole big, beautiful picture that's gonna be our lives. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, don't grieve God, don't break his heart. It is his Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. It is the most intimate part of your life, making him fit for himself. Do not take such a gift for granted. It is him, it is that Holy Spirit that we get to tap into. And when we approach with a heavenly perspective and humble ourselves, 
We receive that. And that's why my third word is power, God's power. To understand his power, we also must trust him. We must trust him with our life, with our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, our money. We must be disciplined with him. I love, I say this all the time, God never overpromises and underdelivers. He never does. We can trust who he is because God's character, he is gracious, he is right, he is holy. He is just, he is alpha and omega. He is the king of king and the Lord of lords. He is compassionate. He is mighty to save. I mean, the list goes on and on. That is God's character. His sovereignty remains steadfast, even despite our own rebellion. Even when we fail to understand his character or his purpose for our own life. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, like, I, I'm, I'm just gonna confess I'm a Bible nerd. When I find a verse that I like, I write it down and then I go in other parts of the Bible where I think I've heard those words before. And I don't, like, I don't Google it. I mean, every now and again, I'll do that. But like, I'm an old school page flipper. Like, I gotta find it. And I fell in love with 2 Samuel twenty two thirty six. It says, you make your saving help my shield. It is your help that has made me great. And I loved that. So guess what? In Psalm 18.35, it says, you make your saving help my shield. Your righteous right hand sustains me and you stoop down and make me great. And the reason I love this one, you stoop down. When my kids were little, I would stoop down so I could get eye level with them. So they that knew I was listening to them. I was looking at them. That's what God promises you. He says to you, I will stoop down and I will make you great. And a God that says that, a God that promises that is a God that you can trust because he will stoop down and make you great. That's why it is so important that we read our word. For me, it is memorizing scripture because I'm gonna tell you, I have never in my whole life ever at the end of the day gone to bed and gone, nailed it. No, instead... The devil gets a hold of me and I was like, okay, service wasn't good. I wasn't funny. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I'm not this. And God's like, no, no, no. So what I do is when my feelings start coming up, I hit it with a fact. I just don't think I'm good enough. I just don't think I'm good enough. And God says, you're enough. Like, I know, but I just don't know if I'm important. And I'm, you're a treasure possession, Jody. Okay, but I just don't think... And God says, do you, do you not remember the scripture you've memorized? Isaiah 61, four says, for you are an oak of righteousness, for you are planting for the Lord. Jody, you will display my splendor. That's why I memorize scripture because it is his words that give me power to fight off the devil that wants to tell me that I'm less than and not enough. So important. We must trust him with our lives, especially when things are difficult, you guys. And I know that we don't feel like we see him because in our humanness, we want the tangible, like we touch it, we see it, we feel it. But that's where our faith comes in. We have to trust him. I remember over the last couple years, the last five, I would say five years, I had three years I'd had a diagnosed nerve issue in my head. Then the last two years I spent getting divorced. Like it has been five years of a lot. And I think about, I got this vision of, have you ever seen a leaf like floating down a babbling brook? Like it goes down, it pops up, it hits the rock, it hits the tree, it goes down. It's like, that was what my daily life felt like. I felt like I was in a rapids of, I can't breathe. I'm under the water, coming up, grab a breath, hit a rock, hit a stump, make a tumble, get up. Get, like that was my life every day. And there were so many times I struggled to breathe 
And I was like, why? Why God? Like I'm a Christian. I pray. I do all this stuff. Why is my life like rough waters? And finally I took the time to listen. And God said, I took you through the rough waters because your enemies could not swim. That's why I took you. And I thought the rough waters was punishment for something. He's like, no, you are highly esteemed, Jody. What those rough waters were was I thought punishment, but no, it was God saying, no, I'm refining you. And I'm saving you from a situation that you could not see. You must trust me with your life. And so I know he is trustworthy because he did it for me and he will do it for you. I wanna talk about the power of God's breath. I call it a holy breath. So in Genesis 2, 7, it's when the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became living. And then as I, in Isaiah eleven four, it says that he will strike down the earth from the rod of his mouth and from the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. That is some powerful breath. By his words, he spoke creation. And by his breath, he gave life. And I'm here to tell you sometimes when you can't even pray, you need to just breathe. I'm gonna give you guys a little Bible lesson here. I don't know if you've ever heard the word Yahweh. Yahweh is a Hebrew name for God. Okay, so it, it's in Exodus first. And so the original texts were written in you know, Greek and Hebrew and they are big, beautiful languages. And then when you translate it to English, sometimes we lose the, like the gusto, the kick, the umph. So you look up in English, what does Yahweh mean? He who makes that which has been made. Okay, thank you. I'm like, what? that's not explained. Like what, that which makes it, that which has been made? Like that is not, we're losing the gusto of the word Yahweh. In Exodus 3, 14 and 15, when it was translated Yahweh, it says, I am who I am. This is my name forever. This is the name that you shall call me from generation to generation. So I have a video for you to understand the word Yahweh. He said, did you know that the consonants used in the spelling of the sacred name Yahweh are in fact the only consonants that if correctly pronounced do not allow you to use your tongue or close your lips. In fact, we know that the pronouncing of the sacred name was an attempt to imitate and replicate breath. That it was inhalation and exhalation. And then he began to do it into the microphone. And in a few minutes, tears started being audible in the room, in a room of PhDs. And it means, wonder of wonders, that the first word you ever spoke when you came out of your mother's womb was the name of God. Hmm. And the last word you'll ever speak, you don't have to try to remember, do I want to say a prayer before I die? You're going to anyway. 
That last breath you take on your deathbed will be the name of God. And it's the one thing you've done constantly. You just did it now. And you did it again. <laughs> You're breathing. Yeah. Way. Because that is the God that we serve. You know, it says that someday every tongue, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. But our God is so big that when I saw this video, I thought about the unbelievers that still refuse his name, don't call him Lord, don't call him Savior. When they breathe, they literally say his name and don't even realize it. God is powerful. So now we are gonna understand the promises he has for us. So we approach with a great perspective. We get into his presence with humility. We must understand his power and trust him with our lives. So now that we believe and receive this for us, I love this. It says, I will bring you out of the darkest hour and promote you. Come to me with great expectation, knowing that I am your God. Trust that I'm going to do what you asked me to do and wait on my timing. And in this prayer, everything I talked about is in there. His promise. He says, I will promote you to get in his presence. He says, trust me. I'm doing what you asked. His power. He says, know that I'm a God. And his perspective, it says in my timing. So again, I will bring you out of the darkest hour and promote you. Come to me with great expectation, knowing that I am your God and trust, trust me that I'm doing what you asked me to do. And again, wait on my timing. When I was writing this, I had this vision of like, um, now I, I, don't, I don't know how to play chess, but it's like, I feel like God was sitting at this chessboard with all of these pieces and all, all these pieces are my prayers and like God's making these moves for me and he's waiting and he's going to, and just when he picks up the piece and he's gonna get, the piece is gone because it's a prayer that I took back. And so God's like, okay, one less piece now. Okay, so what am I gonna do now? Okay, so now, okay, now I'm gonna move this piece for her and then she, and then poof, the piece is gone again. We must take our prayers and leave them at the feet of Jesus because he is trustworthy and he will do it for us. So God who parted the Red Sea for Moses, he is our same God, it's the same God. If he did it back then, he's gonna do it for us now. And when life is hard, all you have to do is breathe. He made it easy for us, just simply breathe and you will say his name. We must recognize God's right to reign over everything in our lives. It helps us to relinquish our own desires to rule what we can't control or that, what, or that when God doesn't fit into our image, he's too big for that. So, so often we equate God's faithfulness with the fulfillment of our dreams. But will we still surrender to his plan when we don't fully understand it? Even when we can't understand, with our limitations. But what we have to understand, God has no limit. So we must not limit him. So prayers, invite him in. It promotes the proper perspective. It allows us to be in his presence through humility. We can receive his power and believe his promises. And I'm gonna leave you with my most favorite scripture. And I always say my most favorite scripture, I always say that. But I actually have this one tattooed on my arm because this scripture, has been a saving grace for me because it is his promise for me and each and every one of you in this room. 
So it's Isaiah 43, one, four, one through four. It says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. Put your name in there. You are mine, Jody. When you are in over your head, I will be with you. When you are in rough waters, you will not go down. When you are between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel. I am your savior. I paid a huge price for you. That is how much you mean to me and that is how much I love you. That I would sell off all of creation just to get you back. And that is his promise for you. So when life is hard, just pray. You can have the holy groans, you can pray through music, but if nothing else, just simply say, why? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Lord, I thank you for the breath in our lungs. You are Yahweh, Lord. Let us call upon you. Let us invite you into our lives with prayer. Help us to trust you because you are trustworthy. You are righteous and just, and we love you. Amen.